general nerdery. So thanks to terrible timing of people who don't know each other and it's none of their faults, I've had three social days in a row together. And it occurred to me, I used to have people over at my house like six days a week. Like always had people over, social every moment. I've done three days in a row and I'm so tired that I walked into a wall twice today. Oof. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like how much into a wall? Are we talking like face? We like shoulder jive? I mean, one, I just kind of bounced off it with my shoulder. And then the other, I misjudged a door. But <laughs> So it could have been worse. Yeah, no, it's not like I just face planted. You also planted, do work also... where you could walk into a wall. <laughs> There's not a lot of room in the back I, sometimes. I love that you're trying to find me an excuse to justify this. No, I walked into a wall. <laughs> I mean, more so than like other positions. You were literally walking around spaces. You were, Sometimes I could imagine you walking backwards into a wall just because of space existing. Fair enough. Anyways, welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And uh, that's Steven, as you heard once uh, again. Hi, I'm Steven. The host who's not a host. <laughs> Lieutenant General. God, at this point, yeah. And we're here for more anime discussions, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's, our, uh, it's our, our beach summer anime episodes. We are in Sept. We are well into September at this point. Well, we got started on it late. <laughs> yeah. So we're just making up for time, and, like, summer doesn't mean Hey, anything. it's anime, baby. We're doing some filler arc. <laughs> Anyways, before that, what have we been ingesting? What? So. Oh, no. No, well, I, I actually. You've done the show so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just completely forgot about it. I feel like I haven't been ingesting much lately. I don't know. There's one, though, that I remembered that I meant to bring up last time, and I felt really bad that I didn't as soon as we got done, but I brought up a bunch of other shit, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So the latest season of Miracle Workers, I think, is my favorite. Is it out? I didn't realize it's it was out yet. It's been coming out. I think there's probably like two episodes left to drop. <sighs> okay, yeah. I say like it's a bad thing. No, that's... Uh... Uh, it's probably my favorite. It's the one that's a most obvious, like, parody, though. Mm -hmm. Like, the other ones are kind of, like, set in certain times or situations, and this is like, oh no, everything you love about, like, Fallout and Mad Max and post-apocalypse, we're just gonna lampoon it. I mean, yeah, that's the, what I wanted from it. The yeah. other ones definitely feel like like a pastiche or like an homage to that kind of genre. Like, they, they like, Dark Ages definitely feels mm -hmm. to me like a like a fantasy or like a Robin Hood men in tights. Yeah, kind of here like. is the most generic fantasy world of all time. And then we're going to tell a story on top of that. But yeah, I think it's my favorite so far. Nice. Really good. I think even like even like a Dune reference or two. Oh, shit. And what is that actress's name? I really got to learn it because I love her. Geraldine something. Yeah, I can, uh, Viswanathan. She looks real good in that post-apocalyptic getup. Uh, I think she's also doing a new movie that looks really fucking good that I now need to look up. Like, uh, like not to objectify her, which is like, oh, the girl's pretty, but, like, it works for I me. I mean, we're going to also objectify <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe in that, so, like, we're going to do it respectfully. But he we're does gonna, pull it off, yeah. We're going to objectify it. <laughs> I mean, he looks fucking good in that uh, um, uh, Can Can, or uh, what's, what's he he's in? Coming oh, down the mountain. Yeah. The, the, the uh, burlesque. Burlesque, there it is. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> It's surprising how many people are wearing the Mad Max outfit and making it work. Because Taika did it in Our Flying yeah. Man's Death. Yeah, that was basically just the Mad Max outfit. 
Daniel Radcliffe's is a little bit more interesting because it's the Mad Max one, but it feels more like the Fallout version of the Mad Max one, where there's like actual like tires incorporated and shit. Oh, okay. Loving it so far. Otherwise, ooh, been playing more Dredge, been playing more Snap, and I don't know if I started any other new shows. I started playing some, oh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game dropped. Been getting down on that a little bit. You were downloading that when I was here last week, so yeah. that's. Um, I normally don't go in for like those asymmetrical shooters slash survivors slash depending on the game it depends how it's set up but they can like work I, yeah I like it can work um the ones that i like tend to be a little bit more pve rather than pvp i guess i don't like the pvp ones like dead by daylight and stuff but something Same. like left for dead all about that heard seconded oh left for dead 2 was like my favorite game in college oh yeah no i i clocked in a lot of hours on those games but Texas Chainsaw Massacre and not being like randomly assigned to victims or families so I can just always be the family and not be fucking scared all the time. <laughs> That's um, right. You don't do horror games. I don't do horror games, but I love me some TCM and so far really digging it. Me and Danny and one of our other coworkers all got on and we're just like wrecking as the family the other night. And I mean wrecking until we got like four games in and suddenly the matchmaking started putting us against people who knew what they were doing <laughs> and we still didn't even know where all the exits were. So then we started getting wrecked, but still it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing on those games. You do a couple and you're like, I'm a God. And they're like, Oh, Oh, no. you think you're a God. Uh, our matchmaking just didn't know what to do with you. Here you go. And then we got boned, but good time. Good time. Oh yeah. Rocking the cook. I'm a cook main so far. Not that that means anything to you guys, but... No, I literally just thought you found a weird way to say you've been cooking more lately. No, I've been... But I I have been cooking more lately, but it's been very easy stuff. I have picked up the... Uh, the, the Food Wars cookbook arrived. Oh, and I nice. haven't fucked with it yet, but I'm definitely... Like, I was reading some of the recipes. Oh, I really hope it um, has that uh, fried egg thing in there. I really want... That. I want to do that. Which fried egg thing? The tempura fried egg where he freezes the egg. I don't remember. I know he that makes the, it for Erna. I know the chicken is in there. The like uh, chicken bites that they do to like keep the uh, open air market going. Oh, nice. And damn, it sounds good. Oh, I wonder if they have the, even the recipe for the the wrap that they make. Yes, nice. Um, they don't have as many recipes as I thought it was going to have, but it is like fifteen twenty recipes. So that's, a, that's pretty good for a re uh, for a cookbook, especially a cookbook based on an anime series that I don't think was finished coming out when this came out. Yeah. Oh, and then also started playing some Loop Hero, and it's a lot of fun. I do not know that one. Loop Hero, it's this little indie roguelike where it's like super like eight bit and shit. Uh, the story's kind of interesting so far. It seems like the world was destroyed and your hero wakes up and it's like he's slowly remembering things and as he remembers them, they seem to start to exist again. But he's stuck on this path that always ends up in a loop and it's kind of weird and a mystery's unfolding. I'm not that far in it, uh, far enough in it to know much more than that. But the combat's all on uh, automated the travel's all automated. You just 
start and stop things. But when he defeats something in battle, you get, well, you get equipment so that you can make yourself tougher. But you also get these cards where you can place things on the loop that he's in. So you're the one deciding how tough it's going to be and where your character is going to encounter enemies. And so what you're trying to balance is giving him more things so that you can earn more loot and earn more stuff to upgrade your village, but not making it so tough that you kill your hero. I'm sure that makes sense if you play the game. Yeah, it's just like every time you you start off on an expedition, it's just like this randomly made loop. Mm -hmm. And when you kill something, you get something so you can be like, there's going to be a swamp on this part of the loop. Okay, and yeah. the swamp every day spawns one rat you have to kill. Okay, interesting. And then you just keep doing shit like that to keep making it harder, but not so hard that you accidentally kill yourself. Okay. Interesting. I like that. I'm very curious in the That does sound interesting, out. yeah. And because everything's all automated except for placing things, super easy to just, like, kick back and, like, do a little bit between snap rounds. Great. <laughs> <laughs> The the amount of efficiency you've worked into playing like six video games simultaneously is while truly listening impressive. to a podcast or an audiobook. <laughs> I get made fun of for multitasking, but damn, Tyler. Damn, I feel like we all might have some ADHD <laughs> really? or some sort of this neurodivergence podcast. of something. Um, because I do the same. Um, I mean, any podcaster ever, I think, probably has ADHD based off of. All of the ones I listen. Maybe not Dan Carlin, but that's about it. I mean, there's probably a few, but they're they're just weird in other ways. Do <laughs> you need me to go next? Give you uh, none of mine are good. Yeah, mine's pretty short <laughs> too this week. But um, in that, like, so uh, I watched Rookie of the Year relatively recently. No shit, I haven't seen that. Oof! Wow, that's been twenty five years. When did it come out? Oh, it, I think it came out in the early 90s. It's definitely right. pretty old. I saw it in theaters. I'm thinking of The Rookie. Okay, I'm thinking of uh, a different movie. Yeah, Rookie of the Year basically is a kid breaks his arm and it regrows in a way where he can pitch really fucking good and he gets drafted to play for the Chicago Cubs and he's a child. It's got Gary Busey and he's like the, he's the, he's the pitcher that like is there mm -hmm. beforehand. Um. And like takes that him under the such wing. Such an wing. early '90s concept. Dates movie. his mom. Was it the same kid from a kid in King Arthur's Court? Yes, it was. Oh my god! And so, so I just watched that. I think right around <laughs> the last time we were recorded, and then this weekend, I subsequently was watching the American Pie movie franchise because the same kid goes on to be in those movies. That's right. Who is he in those movies? Um, he is not. Um. <laughs> He's, he's just one of the, the baby face, like, kind of isn't known he, for things like the others are. Yeah, oh, he's the dating, one that didn't make it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, he's, well, he didn't make it because he made enough fucking money as a child that he doesn't need to work just, ever again. You know what I mean. Like, uh, <laughs> but, like, that's the fucking weird thing about the American Pie movies. Everybody is fucking recognizable. Other than one guy of the main four. I don't know. Like, it's, um, like, actually, all four, all five of the main guys are, are doing stuff except for one of them. Uh, you got... Chris Klein. Chris Klein. He's doing a Netflix series that my partner just watched, Steel Magnolias, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, you got... Uh, uh, Pie Fucker. Pie Fucker, which I can't remember his name. Jason Biggs, there it is. Yep. Um, he Loser. just uh, He had a long-running role on uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, <laughs> he had an appearance in uh, um, Strike Back, which is what you were... Yeah. 
Um, uh, the, well, then the guy from uh, Rook of the Year and uh, Kid and King Arthur's Court hasn't doesn't really do a lot of work. He he works, but he doesn't. He works at his own pace. He is. It seems like he does not need to. He's ah, just like the dream. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, he he did it. He, I want to be you. Um, and then Stifler, Stifler, which Sean is William wild Scott. because I was like, when you said rookie of the year, I thought of the rookie, which is the one where stiff, I think Stifler plays, it might not be the rookie, but he, uh, plays some sports movie where he's like, you're thinking of in. goon, the goon. Dude. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the, just weird that we both went to American pie, but I was a hundred percent wrong on what my target was. It's just got so many fucking people in it. Which, Natasha Leone, uh, Tara Reed, fucking Casey Affleck plays a guy from rookie of the year's older brother. It's um, also weird because it's the movie that Sean William Scott went on to do because basically it was taking too long for Kevin Smith to find financing, to do a movie that he wanted to do about a goon in hockey called hit somebody. Oh, that wow. he was going to try to cast Sean William Scott in. The goon? Oh, wow. And then didn't... Uh, oh, why can I not remember his name? Jay Baruchel. He ended up making that uh, goon. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. Did you ever see that fucking movie with Stifler in it that was like an action movie, Bulletproof Monk? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I went through his IMDb page, and I realized I had somehow watched... Basically, Most of his 90% of his filmography, basically every single movie he put out from his first movie, which I think is American Pie, maybe Final Destination, I, I remember. Dude, Where's My Car was his... That's after. All the way up to 2007. Like, he started acting in the mid-90s, and I somehow mm-hmm. just like, well, I guess I'm fucking watching every Sean William <laughs> Scott movie, and I've still seen a lot of them. There's some Does hit or miss after Dukes that. of Hazzard? Because I'm pretty... Rabbit. Yeah, I've seen that one. Um... <laughs> Uh, fucking a lot of he's done a lot of bad movies. I've seen a lot of them. Yeah, I, Bulletproof Monk, but I, I, I also want to watch again. I um, watched his run on the Lethal Weapon TV series that they did recently where they recast Riggs. Well, yeah. Well, because the other guy was like a neo Nazi. I can't remember. He did something wrong. Bad. Very, very bad. Oh, oh, yeah. And he was like, that show will die without me. And everyone's like, it was lethal. Yeah. Hey, we got Sean William Scott, and he's going to be <laughs> actually the real Riggs. And somehow we're going to write it so that you were like a fake, fake Riggs, Riggs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm suddenly interested, and I, I don't know. care about Lethal Weapon. I mean, they just like, kept trying movie. to cancel that show the entire time it was in production and up through its airing. And then Wait, there's Shitbrick, who's lethal. the one who's not doing anything. Yeah, he's right? the other one that I don't have no fucking clue what he's doing. Finch slash Shitbrick. Uh, the guy who fucks Stifler's mom in the movies. Jennifer Coolidge is in these movies. Stifler's mom, the Allison actress Hannigan. has talked about how John she... Cho. John Cho. That's his, I think that's his, like his first major feature film. He's MILF guy. John Cho is the guy that brought us MILF. Yeah, really. I haven't watched that movie since probably around when it came out when I wasn't supposed to be watching it. Um, which the weird thing is that I had a very strong recollection of seeing the third one in theaters with my mom and siblings. That sounds terrible. My mom's always been pretty. It was always really lax around like sex comedy stuff. Mostly just like that's fair. It's fine. It's okay. Like my dad is a prude. God love him. Everything about him is wonderful, but he's. Approved. So I, that just I, sounds I'm, like I'm happy she went that direction, and that she was just like, I don't really like the violence. We're gonna, like, we're gonna be, we're gonna cap that stuff. But like sex, that's fine. It's somehow the main thing I remember about American Pie is an interview I read with the person who played Stifler's mom, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, and she's like, 
I got, I so got much whatever dick I wanted for the next like three years. <laughs> like, good for her. Uh, she deserves. She could still get it. Oh yes, oh, but yes, that was she can. apparently She's that was Lotus a very right specific now? era. Yeah, she just capped off an amazing two seasons of White Lotus. Uh, she will I'm... not be back. Um, bummer. Uh, minor spoiler. Doesn't everyone die in White Lotus, anyways? Probably. I, there are deaths every season, but not. Not the way that season two ended. I guess it's only been two seasons. They're not. There's not enough to really establish that much of a pattern. But fair enough. Uh, and then the other thing that we're not going to talk about at the second half of this podcast that I've been watching is weirdly enough the Twilight franchise. <laughs> um, my partner's watching them because we're going to go to that relative area that it's set in on vacation in a month or two. So she was like, "Sure." This is on Peacock. Let's watch this. My God, those movies are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's uh, yeah, yeah. No, there. Thank you. They're that's just a... unrelentingly boring and slow, and just like even when it's supposed to be being fast, it's like you're There's clearly a slow. Wild fan base for them though that fucking love them. I have friends that are like aware that they're absolute trash movies from like a gender relations and relationship goals movie that just adore them though like i will i will never put them on but if anybody's watching it i'm in <laughs> uh it is very they have a very disturbing baby in the last one i don't know Ooh, if you that baby that. is not good it's Oof. not good oh right the like bad cgi baby bad cgi on top of also they had an incredibly weird like animatronic fake baby oh no um, which has it's the most terrifying part of the franchise. It's the most terrifying part of the entire franchise. And they have a they have an uncomfortable fuck cabin that they go to. <laughs> I only have seen the first one. The fights in the last couple go off. No, 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 they not not really. I just watched these. They do. They don't. They're very slow. They're very bad. Isn't there some sort of weird violence in those ones? Yeah, there's some weird violence, but it's all maybe, just maybe like it's not the fights. Casual. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. But like, they get kind of weirdly intense. They do, but it's also like immediately undercut by the the <laughs> the rest of the dumbness. The rest of the dumbness in that the like last two thirds of the last movie is entirely a dream sequence. It was. A Dream sequence. I didn't know it was two thirds of it. Jesus or it Christ. I don't know if two thirds is accurate, but it's a, a significant lot. amount. It's a significant amount, or two dream sequences. Like one of them is a different dream sequence, and the other one's a different. The only time I've ever, I've only ever seen the first Twilight, and I watched the Rift Tracks version. I was about to say that's the way to watch it. Is Rift Tracks, a fucking delight. Honestly, I should like, watch that. I mean, I, like I already like I mean, it's the MST three yeah. K guys. Like I was gonna like it, but that was like the best Rift Tracks they did. Ooh, I don't know. Battlefield Earth was fucking great. It's funny. I might have both of those saved on my computer currently as we speak. Uh, let's see. I don't have too many new things, particularly because I've realized about myself. What have I been ingesting has basically been what have I been ingesting over the last three days? Unless it's like an ongoing thing. Still working through Chuck. Nice. Uh, in the Brandon Ruth era before he goes villainous. I just fucking love Brandon Ruth, man. Like, so good. Anything Dude, he did does. you watch that short that I sent you that he did? No, it's been sitting in my tabs uh, for a week. Brandon Ruth did a little short with the guy from Reaper. The main guy from Reaper. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they're just like security guards just like shooting the shit while at a 
at a factory that makes monsters, basically. It's delightful. I highly recommend checking it out. I can't Dude, remember the name of it. We should fucking do Reaper on this show Reaper's sometime. So Reaper's good. fucking great. Uh, Ray Wise might be my favorite devil. Yeah. He is the best devil. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ray Wise is so fucking weird. Um, let's see. That's who uh, the Count also looked like. Not just Robert Goulet, but he looks kind of like Ray Wise. Which Count? In Cagliostro. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, that's I'm not who it saying is. they should do a live action Caliostro because they absolutely should not, but like if they did, Ray Wise would have to be the count. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Even though he's like 150 these days. Doesn't yeah. matter. It would actually just kind of like continue the But like Twin Peaks era Ray Weiss. Oh. Oh hell yeah, that is spot on the count. He's gonna show up in Chuck soon too. Because Chuck <laughs> cast everybody. Let's see. I don't remember if I talked about reading Danger Girl last time. I know I've talked to you about it, but I don't remember if it was on the podcast. Danger Girl is by J. Scott Campbell. It is a very horny comic, but in like early 90s kind of horny, not like, you know, pornographic. That is just a love letter to spy movies. So it is the Danger Girl organization that's uh, totally not Charlie's Angels for copyright reasons that is a spy organization of impossibly beautiful women that are brought together by a man only known as Deuce, who is clearly Sean Connery, James Bond, <laughs> uh, just with a ponytail and a beard. You don't shit. Like old retired, like, I used to work for MI6. Does um, he have a ponytail and a beard in Zardos? Yes. He pulls it off. Actually, he pulled it off in, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, he pulls off that look for Zardos. It's, it's a challenging look to pull off fucking red Speedo and bandoliers. They took Zardos, like that character or that, that look, and literally brought it in to be a Superman character. Superman villain. Um, I can't think of his fucking name. He ends up trying to marry Power Girl a lot. But it's, it's that. <laughs> it's, um, doesn't matter. But it brings in, like, there's a character that's kind of a mix between Diabolic, who is a French comic that's been running for fucking nonstop forever. That's yeah. about a, like, murder thief. You talked about and... them over on Word Balloons when we were covering Phantom X. Yes. Vartox. Vartox. God damn it. That's the name of the... Yeah. And uh, also very clearly some, like, G.I. Joe, Storm Shadow, and Snake Eyes stuff. Uh, but... Oh, wow. That is just straight up Zardos. Yep. One of the side characters in this is basically just Bruce Campbell in Danger Girls. Like the, this, he was clearly like casting off of actors, even though he was doing a comic. And luckily, Bruce Campbell liked it enough that he wrote the intro to the collected edition. But it is peak, you know, Bruce Campbell from like uh, Briscoe County Jr. era or. Uh, that awful Revolutionary War era one that he did that was like a half hour James Bond in the Revolutionary War era France special. <laughs> Jack of all trades. That's what that was that, called. Yeah, that's that's it. It's not good. It was fun. My roommate disagreed with me when I was watching it about it being fun. Um, so I've been working through all of those very in quality. I think the biggest thing is I watched the first two episodes of Soka. Oh, yeah, I haven't got to that yet. I am 
fascinated what you're going to think of that as someone who has not watched Rebels. I really wanted to get to it before we recorded this, and then I did not manage my time well this week. I understand. It's just, it's live-action Rebels. It Holy shit, it leans so heavily. It even uses a lot of the same musical cues. So, like, me, Rebels is my favorite piece of Star Wars media ever. It's just like, yes, yes, give me more. And someone who had not seen Rebels and is in the huge Star Wars is like, I have no idea what's happening. But, I mean, that's always been the risk with Ahsoka. They they were really advertising. It's like, you don't need to have any previous knowledge to follow this. And But don't you? <laughs> I mean, I have no previous knowledge, and I, I'm not interested in it majorly because I don't have any previous knowledge, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I I'm would, interested mostly because of Rosario. I would love for you to see it just because I'm curious on it. And I think it's really well done and it's got Mandos. And it's I do. Got, I okay. am meaning to watch it because I just read a very long post about it from someone that I follow that was writing up uh, some criticisms about some of how it's handled a character. Um, Which character? Uh, like an offhanded character, someone that um, basically betrays the uh People, I forget the term or the alliance uh, for money, and they're basically a na- uh, they're leveraging criticisms that it's basically not straight up anti-Semitism, but some haphazardly written lazy anti-Semitism by casting a person who is generally casted as a Jewish actor. I think they are Jewish. I don't know for sure, but there's also it's a Star Wars franchise. I don't know if there's Judaism in Star no, Wars. No, this is so, not Dune. But like he is casted. Nine times out of ten, because he looks like a Jewish man, and to play a Jewish him. role, and they put him in a role where he betrays a bunch of people for money, and you that's know, like kind of the me boiling down the argument that this person was making an actual well well written criticism of it. You um, know, that's really interesting. Like I could, and that's one of the ones that I could see. Like maybe it is anti-Semitism in there. I'm not saying I'm not like disagreeing with this article that I have not read, but I could also see even the actor being like, "Oh shit!" Like what? Who's the actor? I have no idea. I can't remember the name offhand. I don't even remember the scene, and I've watched it last week, so it might even be a different. It might be a, like I'm pretty sure I read this yesterday, so it might be newer. I don't. I'm not entirely. So it was enough that I'm curious to like make my watch it and watch my make my own kind of. I really enjoyed it so far. They bury the fucking lead that David Tennant's in it, but he's also only doing a voice of a robot. Yeah, but still, it's David Tennant. Like he's nerd fucking royalty. And yeah, this that's is Ahsoka. I, I, I honestly get Varian uh, in this situation of, like, he's doing a vo- robot voice. I get it, but, like, they've put so much, like, Ahsoka's there. Or not Ahsoka, Rosario's there. Because uh, she's the main character. I know, I know. I'm just... Thrawn is going to show up. Did you know that Thrawn is going to be around? Anyone who's not watched Rebels or read fucking books from 1992 has no idea who the fuck Thrawn is. But we're going to put Thrawn in the fucking... But yeah. oh, David Tennant, and yeah, whatever. He just has fucking good omens to come out, which I still need to goddamn watch. To watch. I'm curious to wonder if uh, if they were like less advertising that because Good Omens Two just came out. Well, yeah, but also like Disney just got the uh, uh, distribution rights for Doctor Who. It's all going on to Disney Plus, which was a huge fucking win for them, and they pushed that yeah. really hard. So I was like, yeah, come on, like, and who knows? I don't know. Maybe he's only in, like, these, like, three episodes, too. I just was like, shit. Isn't part of that deal that Disney's going to be throwing them some money for the yes. next season? Yeah. 
Uh, they've like tripled Doctor Who's budget, but in fairness, Doctor Who's budget was about fourteen dollars and a piece of string. Oh, man. So I, I don't, I don't know. They if have I no creative control. Oh. oh, thank God! It is still made by the BBC. It is almost entirely run by Bad Wolf Productions, which is uh, RTD's, uh, and Russell T Davies was the guy who relaunched Doctor Who. Which, like, I, and, I was very excited about that, and then like hearing. Disney was putting money. It's just like, oh god, I hope they, they got don't that have... sweet Disney money with, and it's like a pittance for Disney. It's nowhere near, yeah, like you know anything that Disney's putting out on their own. Shows. I'm just but apprehensive of them putting. You their get the revenue from our hot dogs, yeah. Basically, like now the funding is thirty dollars and two pieces of string. <laughs> They'll put those two pieces of string to work. Though. Yeah, pff, it'll be whatever they want it to <laughs> We're be. We're gonna see a lot of costumes featuring those strings. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's about it for me. I, I've been wanting to game lately, but I just don't have fucking time. I there, I have something that I'm planning to ingest. Uh, Cyberpunk bomb. Uh, uh, what is it? Bomb rush Cyberfunk. It is a new game from. Oh, I'm forgetting the studio, but it's basically a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. I and heard about this. Future. I really wanted it to. Play just it just came to the Switch. It's also on Steam. I don't think if it's on any of the other consoles yet. It, you should text me this name so I don't I lose do it this. again. Um, same. I will do this. Um, uh, it is the same studio that developed Lethal League, and Lethal League, uh, they did us like a basically a master collection where they added some stuff for consoles. It looks fucking awesome. They got the, I think they got the same soundtrack, the person who did the soundtrack for the original sketch that radios. Marcus and Meats has been telling me about it. I'm, he does not stop talking when he's excited for a video game. And this is one that he is excited for, and I am... I've heard nothing but great things about it, so... I never actually played Jet Set Radio, but I always knew the style was super cool, and I still listen to the playlist on Spotify. Future. Oh, so yeah, same. I played Future a ton. And then, uh, just because I mentioned it earlier, but that short with Brendan, uh, Brendan Routh um, uh, is called Cost of Living. Uh, it is directed and written by uh, Ben David Garbinski just in case anybody's interested in checking it out. Nice. I thought of one other thing I ingested, and I felt... Whenever I think of what I've been ingesting, I always think about the shit that, like, I'm right over in that other room taking on. But I just thought of two more things, and one of them we should talk about because we all fucking went. Oh, yeah, Blue Beetle. Oh, holy shit, how (laughs) do we not talk about Blue Beetle? We We definitely ingested Blue Beetle. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking rules. (laughs) It was so fucking fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, loved it. I, I need to see it again. I, I mean, still I want to do like, an episode about it. So yeah, I cried. Twice, I have a twice. I have a weird bit going on with me where I loved it, but I don't feel as hyped as I feel like I should feel for how much I love it. Explain. Like I, I feel like I understand what you're saying. Like I feel like it should. What I feel about it should almost energize me more. Because that's how it usually hits me when I when I see shit like right, that. Fuck yeah, Blue Beetle. Fuck yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. And I haven't really been like that. I've been sort of just still like mulling on it. And I'm not quite sure where that's all coming from because I did fucking love it. And I want to see it again very soon. But. And like we literally just talked about doing a full episode on it so we can get into it deeper. I think the reason I'm feeling that personally is the nebulous uncertainty with where it sits uh it is part of the current james gunn era 
Interesting. I did, was not aware of that. From what I understand, James Gunn has been like, you know, it's not necessarily my baby. I wasn't, didn't have much influence, but like, yes, it is part of our. I thought it, what you said was more of like, of if it does well and has good reception, then there's no reason that, it can't be part of that. Mine. Could be it, and that's what I was understanding of. Like, it's if it works, they may, will continue to use it. But if it doesn't sell well, then they'll just say it's gotten. It. Great reviews. I have no idea how well it's sold, yeah, though. I, I think it's about to outpace Fury of the Gods, but that's no big feat. No. And then my other complaints. Also, in fairness, I don't think they were expecting it. And to it's not well, even a complaint. So. It is that it's just it is a bit. Uh, it is a bit of an origin story. Yeah, I. It's not a bit of. It, it just. It is, is an, an origin story. story. But like, also that said. Still, pretty fucking good origin story. I, I will say this: like, I get the exhaustion of origin stories, and we don't need a Spider-Man origin story again. We needed a Blue Beetle. If you're gonna do a Blue Beetle movie, you have to do the fucking origin yeah. story because it's, you know. Did you know who the Blue Beetle was before we watched it? Like, you I mean, name, I knew but... who the Blue Beetle was, but that's because I've watched Young Justice and I knew of contextually. Okay, like, yeah, I'd seen Jaime in other iterations. I didn't know anything about Ted Court. I didn't know anything about Dan Garrett. I didn't know anything about previous Blue Beetles other than what you've told me over on like Word Balloons. The and director General wants Nerdery. Jason Sudeikis to come in to play Ted Court in a sequel. <sighs> <laughs> I want it so bad. Don't heavy breathe into a podcast like that. People will think they're listening to porn. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, sorry, I got really Just horny for that. The cup. <laughs> <laughs> I've never enjoyed George Lopez as much as I have there. And that's not anything against Gilo seemed like he was having a fucking He looked like he was fucking living for this movie. Yeah. That is my favorite George Lopez thing. Susan Sarandon looked like she was having fun, too, just being... Like, Mm -hmm. there's no depth to her villainy, but there didn't need to be, which I appreciated. I'm a money-hungry warmonger. Yeah. That's about it. I'm a problematic white lady. Like, okay, got it. Wish there would have been more Harvey Guillen. Oh, yeah. Which one is... Uh, Guillermo. From what we're doing, yeah, 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 yeah. Not Sanchez, not Sanchez. I guess so. Here's the thing I I love the movie. One of the things I'm running up against, and if we're going to do an entire episode, I'm going to hold back a little bit. But like, I came out of there feeling like it was a movie that was already Blue Beetle light, but that we still needed to know more about the family for how much we were centered with them. I do agree. Um, yeah, also, it was Blue Beetle light. See, I honestly didn't hate that because I felt like they didn't feel the... They understood the assignment that it's becoming the most boring part of an action movie when you do two CGI people punching each other for, like, five minutes. And there was only one bit of the CGI action fights that, like, I felt started to drag. And even then, it was only, like, 30 seconds too long for me. I will counter this with, I wish I had seen Blue Beetle just goofing around a little bit more i will mm-hmm. i will grant that we didn't see jaime little, really really get to fuck around yeah a little bit more like spider-man swinging through the city something like that mm, um okay i felt like that was missing a little bit no i did love it it did remind me very heavily of a project i've been wanting to do for a while that maybe i'll actually i don't know i know people i've done stupid video projects but I'll do stupid video projects that made you think of blue beetle i'll run gaff well, <laughs> you can tell us about it after this if you want. That's yeah. I'm all right. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna save this in case it never comes to fruition. All you motherfuckers do out there do not can't promise fuck. things online. Yeah, I'm not gonna promise not. anything, but I think it'd be fun. Okay. And it ties not in so much to the Blue Beetle as to uh, El Chapulín Colorado. Which did you guys get? Like the El Chapulín Colorado bit? Like was that's that a, the the what uh, George Lopez like hacked into their stuff with? Well, so he's like, yeah, I got this jammer. It's like I call it El Chapulín, and then it's that that red and with like the yellow highlights. And then when we waited around for the, the yeah. after credits, there was the claymation yes. of the, and I knew that was referencing a specific thing. I just don't know enough to like necessarily know what that I know was. it referenced again through like, I basically isn't Bumblebee man, a, a, a knockoff of this. And right. Bumblebee, Bumblebee man is a, a fucking reference to El Chapulín. There's a Marvel Colorado. character. That's also a reference. So, uh, El Chapulín, Colorado, I discovered probably about five or six years ago. It's not something I like grew up with, but I ended up watching a bunch of the episodes. I don't know if they're still up on there, but there was a bunch of them on YouTube. It was a actually decently long running. I want to say it was like nine year mm-hmm. superhero show on Mexican television in the seventies. And it was a parody of all the superhero shows that were going on at the time because it would have come like right after Batman 66 would have been like, while like Wonder Woman was going and all that shit. And he was basically like a shitty superhero where by the end of the episode, like things would still usually go his way, but it wasn't because he was very good at anything. It was just like dumb luck. Yeah, I know I've read about this guy before, but just never enough to like have even the name just being like, oh, I know what this is supposed to be. They his intro was like uh, a play on the Superman bit instead of like faster than a locomotive and shit like that. It's like. More agile than a refrigerator. Well, fair. <laughs> um, they're just, they're a lot of fun. They really knew what they were getting at. Like I said, I've actually, it's hard to explain, but I've watched them. They, it's kind of uh, the tick, the beta version. Awesome. I dig that's, that. That's the best way for me to describe it, is it's, it's very close to being the tick. Interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if Edland was inspired at all by El Chapulín, Colorado. You almost have to be if you're also making a bug-themed parody. Uh, which would also be uh, the Cherry Cricket. Or the Red Grasshopper, depending on how you want to... Uh, I think that's the how Marvel I've character it. based off El Chapulín, or in, not based off of, but like the Barrows, I want to say is Red Locust or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have heard of uh, Red Grasshopper. There was a lot of references to shit, and just some really fun, uh, really clever writing with some of the bilingual shit, too. Also, they cuss a lot. In Blue Beetle? Yeah. Dude, I was wondering. That's a violent movie. Like, there was a a lot of death. Like, I was not not expecting to see as much murder as we saw in that movie. I was just kind of surprised. Not surprised, but, like, the openness that they kind of dealt with. Like, they never actually, like, Jaime is a dreamer, but... He's a he's got to be a fucking dreamer because they talk about crossing the border and not in a you know legal. But he might way. be naturalized. Okay, that's fair. Is what it sounded like. Yeah, to it me. sounded like he was naturalized, um, and that his parents weren't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean that's happened a lot, and that's kind of where that whole clusterfuck is. Just but like that is a very I I don't know like so many movies will still find ways to kind of demonize immigrants over the southern border and did not 
they had no time for that in this movie. There's not often I get to tell this story. And so I just talking about that reminds me there was one time growing up, I was looking through my dad's old yearbook with him and just being like, Oh yeah. And he was like, Oh yeah, I hung out with them. But you know, he grew up in San Diego. So the class was huge. He didn't know everybody just like, Oh, look at that. And I was mostly looking through cause I, I had popped it open at one time and this chick's fucking Afro was like, stereotypical fro and i was like that is amazing i need to look at all of your classmates now <laughs> but at one point we get to these two brothers and he's like oh yeah so these two every once in a while they'd have to miss one or two days a week because they snuck over the border almost every day or every other every week and would find places to stay and go to school and they would like work and then like sneak back and bring fucking money back to their folks. Holy and they were shit. crossing like a hundred fucking times a year. If, Holy if not more. fucking shit. Now that's back in the I 70s. Assume 70s. So yeah, I still, <laughs> I get that, but that's fucking melting my brain right yes, now. No, it, I don't want to make it sound like less impressive than it is. Just also. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> that hurts my heart. Yeah. But also, damn, that's impressive. Yeah. Damn, that's impressive. You go, you two kids. Like, do what you need to do. It's like, damn, I really wish you didn't have to do that. But fucking good on you for getting the fucking work done. Uh, anyway, that's what I got. All right, let's <laughs> take a quick. Oh no, sorry, nope, not, I said there was two nope, things dip, that I forgot. Dip, dip. I went and saw Flogging Molly, and it was fucking great. Oh, I heard that was a really good concert. Oh, hell yeah, it was a great show. I was up front, and I got myself a fucking set list, and I just wanted to brag about it because Flogging Molly was here, Flaming Lips was here this week. Like it was a great week for concerts that I did not go to. But like growing up back home, when it was me and my homies hanging out at fucking doing nothing because none of us had jobs and we we're all fucking bums and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever lunchtime came around and you were able to request songs on the Blaze. <laughs> if we actually if we actually got through, we would request drunken lullabies. Oh my god. And that's even if like we weren't hanging out, that's how we knew one of us got through was if they suddenly played drunken lullabies while one of the other one of us were fucking like <laughs> driving around town or something. We were like, Oh shit, hey. Joe got through or oh shit, fucking somebody got through. Like so That's excellent. Every time I've seen them it's it's been a little bit special and this time I got a fucking set list. That's so. awesome. That's mm. sweet. Now I'm done. Okay, so now we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I guess we're revisiting our high school years? Yes. Probably. But not in a bad way? I have been so stressed about this episode for two weeks now because I was pushing hard for us to do Comey Can't Communicate. And then, like, watching it, it was like, this is so different than what we normally, like, watch or ingest for this. And I have no idea how to fucking talk about it even. <laughs> like. So, um, I hope you liked it. I know Steven did. It's charming. I appreciate it. I've, it's I've, more like a Wes Anderson movie for me, where there's parts I like, but it's mostly for other people, and I'm glad it's there for him. Not surprised at all that it worked for Steven. Not really that surprised that it didn't super work for you either. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't. I don't dislike no, it. I, I have a feeling. I was thinking about this earlier today. This is definitely going to be one that I'm going to have a hard time talking about where it sounds like I liked it because I do. So I want to get that out there right away. I enjoyed it. More appreciated it. It's not your go to cup of tea. It's yeah. a cup of tea you would drink, but I, it's not what you ordered. I normally. wasn't worried about you disliking it. I was figuring that like at the most it was probably going to be like because it is. 
like it or not, it is a well-made yeah. anime. Oh, absolutely. And I do, lo- I love the theme. Like, the, the musical theme. They fucking get every, like, squeeze every second they can out of that uh, oh, yes. theme. It's like, and I'm nice little it. piano bit, quiet moment of silence, da, 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 da. <laughs> like, three times an episode. And it works. Okay, so, if you have not read or watched Comey Can't Communicate, this is, I've mentioned it before several times on the show, because it's been my, like, go-to relaxing thing. I've read, I've got 28 volumes of the manga at home. Um, This goes through the first five volumes, so they theoretically could go for a while, because it's not done yet either. It is about a normal kid named Hirohiro Tadano, who just wants to go through life as, like, simply as he can. But he befriends Shoko Komi, the, I guess, school kind of princess, school queen. Like, this entire school is obsessed with her because they think she's like this bitch and ice queen. But turns out she has extreme social anxiety. I mean, she's the school goddess, technically, but not at this point that we meet her. Mm-hmm. And her goal is to make 100 friends, and his goal is to survive helping her do so. He wants to read the room and get by. I don't think either of you had heard of this series before no. I... No, I don't think I had, actually. I don't even know how I found it. I just it, was like, heard something about it, went, that sounds good, and started reading it, and then bought, like, 18 volumes in the space of two weeks, because I bought, like, the first two or three, and then just went back and was like, gimme. <laughs> I guess the rest of these as well. Yeah, I guess how do you want to how do you want to start on this? Steven's been avoiding talking to me about this all day so we can do it here. <laughs> Mostly cuz there's I feel like it's kind of going to be hard to talk about cuz it's kind of just straightforward. It's 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 an anime, it's a high school comedy high school comedy romance anime. Like there you have a lot of the common archetypes. You have we didn't get a beach episode, but they go swimming. There's like they, it plays to the tropes. We had a water park episode. Like that's oh, a beach yeah. episode. It's basically <laughs> a beach episode. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's a fucking beach episode. Considering there's the whole bit about everybody talking about the bikinis and the everybody's swimsuits. Yeah, I don't know how to describe this or talk about it. I just found it really, really charming. It was delightful. Uh, I was expecting like at the first episode, there's some stuff that I felt was gonna be hinky or like could have some anime weirdness that just like immediately didn't um like the whole i i don't really love uh bits where like this person's so cool and now i'm gonna be their friend and now it's a romance and now it's a romance but like that it wasn't a big deal just just charming i felt like they were trying to make it a romance but it doesn't lean as hard into that which i enjoyed yeah, no, I mean, there's definite romantic undertones between the two main characters, but they don't feel a heavy need to explore them immediately. And it feels very wholesome and also, like, accurately depicting that age group of, like, these are some real young, socially awkward people. Of course they're going to be like, oh, he said I'm cute. I'm, I'm going to be awkward and flush. It's like, oh, I accidentally bumped into you and touched you, and uh, you're a girl, so, oh, gosh. I will say, I don't know if this is a thing in Japan or if it's just a thing in anime, but they definitely ride that trope fucking hard across the slice of life anime 
genre. As far as I understand, we yeah, the genre definitely does that all the time. So it's it's just a, a thing. There are a couple others that I've read after I enjoyed this one. I was just like, oh my god, people! Like you're allowed to make eye contact. Fuck's sake. Uh, there's some good lines though in this. The one that I remember that I really love is uh, at one point Tadano's uh, following Comey off on an excursion to do something. I don't remember. She's either going is it to the coffee one. It might be the coffee one, or it's when she's off with someone else and he's following to just like watch them. But he, like a boy, a little boy and his mom are walking by, and it's like, look, a stalker. And it's like, that's right, that's a stalker. <laughs> Tyler, I mean, I'm trying to. You're allowed to critique it. I know, it I know. I know. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to think of where to begin and how to go in on it. Because, like I said, I don't want to sound overly critical of this because I did enjoy sitting there watching it. Okay, but when like, we did, uh, it's real easy listening type. But thing. like when I was sitting, oh man, there's we, like there's one character in this that I feel like is acting horny enough to be realistic. Yeah, and I they're should be the fired worst. into the sun, and they're the fucking worst. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they're my favorite character in this, and they are the worst oh, character, and that's part of the problem where I'm running into with this. Oh, uh, they were my least favorite character. They were my favorite character because they were the only one to me that felt realistic. Yamai is worse than Mimisaka from Food Wars. Like when it comes to creepy characters, I mean. She fucking kidnaps a guy. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't thinking about the kidnapper. Oh, okay, because that's... I, I, was... I don't know any of their names because I didn't care about any of the characters that much. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> that's part of the problem I'm also running into. I don't oh, know a single one of their names. Of, um, uh, Are you thinking of the Envy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, Osana. Uh, the... the... One that is non-binary. Oh, probably. everyone's childhood friend. That yes. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah everyone's okay. childhood friend. Uh, the worst, I could not stand being around them for, I think, more than a week, and yet was still my favorite character. Love them. They are great. Yeah, I also really, really love them. I could not fucking stand them most of the time because of how hard they were pushing everybody into these situations that they knew were fucking terrible for them. I do sometimes wonder how much... I, I think... Like Osana is definitely a bit of a. I don't want to say a parody of the genre, but I feel like this does kind of poke at some of the slice of life genre of manga. I mean, I I recently fell down a rabbit hole of looking up a lot of character anime anime character archetypes because of a different thing that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to write a tabletop RPG. The it's not necessarily backstory, but they. Everybody falls into like a very specific like I don't know the proper term, but I'm gonna use like a dare um uh, like subcategory. Like there's Sundere is the one that most people would know of like a really cold person that like is actually super friendly once you they warm up to you. Sundari. Yeah, Sundari. Um uh, but like there's a bunch of there's also like they actually refer one of them references the the maid cafe reviewer guy references Comey being a uh, a Dori Dori um, uh, Dare, uh, which is supposed to be like a super cold, and he basically he's the only person other than um, uh, Tarano to actually call it is like a, like maybe she's this, and it's that she's like super quiet and cold to everybody because she doesn't know how to actually interact with people. But like everybody follows into into these general stereotype archetypes for animes, and they're playing them very exaggerated. Um, and I forget which one I was looking this up, but yeah, they're they're playing to these tropes that are very standard for anime. It's it's not doing anything really 
fairly innovative or like mm -hmm. like I feel like there's not a lot of critical analysis I can do of it. The the character that we're talking about is Najimi Osana. Yes, Osana. Yeah. So he was calling him Osana at or calling them Osana at first and then switching to Najimi. I do re I did read a little bit about this book uh, uh book when I first started like picking it up cuz you know wanted to make sure I'm not good at picking manga from a blind thing. Like I can look at the back of a comic, a Western comic book and usually be like, Oh, this is something I'm going to enjoy. I have no good gauge for manga. So I, I did some research on this one and I was a little worried about meeting Najimi because queer trans cross-dressing anything of like men to women or women to men in anime, a lot of times can sometimes not, land that was another thing it was like oh this is gonna either be very bad or s just barely skim by and for the m i'm a mostly straight white dude i can't really say whether it landed or not it landed better than i expected it to having seen this trope utilized in other animes and it's done very poorly i feel like they they do a fairly decent job of setting expectations of like this character is someone who pushes boundaries and is one to push buttons on people mm -hmm. and will be doing that constantly. Like they in your first interactions with them, you get a real good sense of who this character is. And it's not necessarily because they are non-binary that they do this. It's just that they are that kind of person. So for me, it worked that they were like pushing boundaries with people at certain points. This isn't the fault of this, it's the fault of everything else that came before it, but the character that is also the most obvious, uh, just non-heteronormative, uh, being the horniest one of the group, needs to die. Yeah. Just as a concept? Because it happens like 95% of the time. I think it is a direct like slingshot of for years because I have like read and watched a bunch of stuff about this that they were allowed to uh, like when they first started introducing gay characters onto television that were openly gay characters they were not allowed to be sexual beings. Um, well, it's went the other direction yeah, no, no, for no, no, the I, last I, that, like. 20 years and that's kind of the point that i was yeah. like working up towards that for a long time the if you were going to have a queer character on tv you they could be queer but you could show no sign of them actually like interacting in a queer lifestyle or having a gay character it's interesting I, it's not that i don't think of najimi as sexual they are very sexual they in their are. first episode they but are but also I would make the argument that I felt like they they make several other characters feel relatively equally like sexual in certain ways of I forget her name, but Agari, I want to say the one who refers to herself as a dog. I don't um, like that. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but like she definitely had some like sadomasochism, like sexual mm -hmm. energy put on her character as well. And then Yamai was the other the one. Kidnapper. Who, the kidnapper who's just like Definitely got some fucking weird shit going on, but also seemed like also like an. She was the horniest one to me. I mean, because Najimi has that like, admittedly, it's the line that makes me really laugh every time, and I don't know if it should or not. Of their, uh... maybe it's just Najimi's around more. Maybe that's where I was. That's getting fair, it. and yeah. I, and I'm not I, saying I, that they're not horny. I just, I, yeah. it's not how I read. Them I do as agree much. that they are around more, and also like, I think because of their level of sexual jokes that they make. But also because that they, their character 
seems to be the kind that is going to be like pushing people's buttons. It's more in your face than the other ones. But like the, the joke where they're like, uh, Oh, I like seeing you like this. It's making me moist. And you just hear him go, where? <laughs> and where? I think it like, I think that joke works on a couple levels. Cause on one hand, the like Najimi's gender is purposely up in the air because they're pretty much just a trickster being given human form. Like, they may as well I did be, enjoy that. They may as well. Everyone was like, <laughs> I don't know. And even during the beach episode, everyone was like, don't know, but you look good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also like that the only time that Jimmy basically like kind of was like, wait, uh, I'm a dude is to just like. Get away from the person trying to completely stop the advances of a fucking street thug that she they know from a former life of. But like the, with that joke, the other side could just straight up be Tadano is like. Does probably has never had a comprehensive sex ed class of so being like, what's that even mean? <laughs> like, I don't want to say this show is like inherently queer, but I do think it's interesting. The amount that like Yamai is in love with Comey. I don't really want to say romantically because it's not actually romantically. It's stalkerishly, which is different, but like it's never even mentioned. There's never a moment of like, she's in love with a girl. It's just, I mean, here's that's where it's like still a problem though, because like you have the abrasive character is you are some form is some form of gender fluid, and the stalker character is a lesbian. Apparently, you're not wrong. I'm also further in the so I'm like, oh, but what about blah blah blah? But that hasn't happened yet, or like so. That's you're definitely. I think part of it is just everyone is uh, other than like Tadano and Najimi are so horny for Komi that uh, this bounces back a few weeks, but everyone's reactions to Komi is a lot closer to how people actually re react to uh, D in the novels for Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> they're just automatically <laughs> like, ooh. Oh, dude, that, okay, that is one of the bits that does work for me every fucking time where Komi's just like, dead silent and someone's waiting for a reaction like the the stan bucks barista dude who has to just like he then you just get his internal monologue of like the uncomfortable nature of just having to deal with like i don't know what to do uh, okay i'm gonna fill in the blanks but because it's an anime they always go to the like the wild extreme yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a bit that does work for me every time it does i i think i would have enjoyed this more if, like, I get it, like, Comey not being able to communicate impacts the way that she wants to interact with the world, but the fact that everything constantly comes up Comey anyway, I don't care. Oh, so you just, you see, she's basically living my dream where <laughs> I don't have even, to talk even if my, my social anxiety gets the best of me, something still happens in my favor rather than. Uh, it took me two hours and puking three times to go ask for a drop ad slip in college. Maybe that's, and I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm disagreeing with you because everything you just said is true. But maybe the reason why it works for me is as someone with social anxiety, it's just kind of nice. Like, this show relaxes me. It's there is just... a cognitive dissonance of, like, I... I have I have an anxiety disorder. I have PTSD. These are real mental traumas for me that I have to deal with and issues that I'm familiar with. 
it's also a delightful show where I see someone like getting to just like make a friend that's helping them with that. And I was like, that's nice. I like that. But also at the same time, I am like, uh, oh, yeah, no, this isn't necessarily quite uh, like a one to one ratio for what I feel. So it does take me out of it. The low stakes might actually be part of what appeals to me on this one of I can just watch it and just like. Because I have stressors everywhere in my real fucking life. And I can just watch this girl who's anxious as all fucking get out. Just slowly come out of her own shell. And like do all the stuff I kind of wish I could do. But in a way that's not life or death. Yeah, I can see that. And I guess it just... The other thing, and it's not fair to this, and I hate it when <laughs> it's not fair to this show because you're so it's so unhappy that you're critiquing this show. Well, because I did enjoy it, and that's the thing. Like everything I have to say makes it sound more and more like I didn't, even though like I was sitting I there mean, with a smile on my face. You and I reviewed Men at Arms, which is one of my all-time favorite novels. We didn't say a single nice thing about <laughs> it the whole fucking time. But like, I don't even remember, know where I was going because I just hit a fucking pothole. Uh, uh relax. Oh, so it's not fair to any show that I do this to because it happens sometimes, not all the time, but it happens more than just to this. But it'll remind me of something else, and I'll just want to watch that more. So, like, what was this, this? So Comey didn't. Comey can't communicate. Reminds me of a mix between Ted Lasso and Big Mouth, and I like both of those shows better separately. Okay, I can see that. And they both are things that are already relaxing to me as well. And so it's like, cool, I could continue watching this, or I could, you know, throw on Big Mouth, and that feels a lot more like I've, how I felt internally during high school to be able to deal with this and still be able to relax because it's a fucking silly kid show. And they're talking about sex, and it's not weird because the animation style isn't, doesn't make them look like non-fucking high schoolers. Uh, the beach episode was fucking weird, guys. Oh, yeah. Every beach episode ever is fucking weird. Yeah. Although I do appreciate the, uh, that was the one moment. I will say that's the one saving grace I will give uh, Yamai's character in the beach episode of, like, the internal uh, debate of whether or not to let Comey go out in her school bathing suit, which is apparently... Oh, fetish wear. Very hardcore fetish wear within the Japanese community. I was like, Japan's fucking weird about schoolgirls. Like, we all knew this, but... Very weird about schoolgirls, um, but yeah, I was like, okay, you, you get one, Yamai, <laughs> you get one, and then she probably, I'm pretty sure she immediately undoes it. Oh, she's in terrible that same episode. throughout the rest of the episode. Um, I love when they're getting to the school festival and like trying to figure out what to do for their classroom, and she's just a haunted house because it'll really, it'll be hard work, but doing it will bring them all together, and and in the dark. They can they can touch uh, Comey's behind and no one will know. And then everyone was like, "Yeah, we can do that." I was like, "No." In the manga, there's an entire chapter of her just trying to get an underskirt shot of Comey, and like it, you know, hilariously failing and bad things happening to Yamai <laughs> as a result. Like, there's I don't know why I don't think of this show as that horny because you're fucking right. It's an extremely horny. But not, not, it, not in a way that feels very realistic for how old they're supposed to be, though. 
Yeah, like a lot be... of their anxiety isn't tied to the like. I really wish that I could be doing something with this person right now. See, I for me that almost makes it work more because it's not a. It, it's a very almost like innocent kind of horny because it's not like to be crass here. Oh, I want to be balls deep in them right now because most of them only have a passing understanding of what that means in the first place. Like. And it, yes, Big Mouth has its like insanely accurate, like I'm so horny, oh my god. But like there is a kind of, I remember being in high school and being horny all of the time, but also having a thing about like, it's not that I didn't know how sex worked or whatever. We had sex ed, and as terrible as that was in Montana in two thousand and three, but like, yes. <laughs> I got sex head in Darby. Oh boy, the but like uh, don't worry, I'm a nerd. I read up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like I already knew more than you. Uh, but the level yep. of kind of innocence about the horniness too. That's like I desperately want to see this, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like that, yeah. Why or what I'll do with it once I do hit that? What is something that I remember. I, I did like that about it is that it did feel very in like it felt like it had a finger on like a pulse of that that notion of like I'm horny and I don't know why. Or in Todd knows case, I'm horny but I don't want to admit it. That too. I will say, and I guess you don't care about any of the characters, so this might not apply for you in the same way. That sounded very accusatory in a way I did not <laughs> intend it to. Uh one of the things that makes this show work for me is so often in anime, or just really in fiction in general, but it happens a lot in anime, the, like, just normal nice guy that, like, happens to help out and is the main protag is one of the most obnoxious douchebags in history. And I don't have that with Tadano. Like, yeah. I legitimately like him as a person, even if he is... He's a likable guy. Plain. I, like, he, he, yeah. Oh, I do, I do love the little backstory you get of what they call the junior high, second year junior high syndrome. I did enjoy that. I, I like, enjoyed that quite a bit. I was like, I get it. I, yep. like, I get it. I, I get remember it. being in sixth grade and wearing all black and never taking my sunglasses off. And man, the more I think about it, this, I really love all of the, like, all the side characters. I really I li like them all a lot. Like, they, I feel like Yamaya's like my least favorite character. Otherwise everybody is generally, I desperately want to know more about the girl that wears like part of a set of armor. That's also the, the fun anime ass thing of this show is that like you find out in the second or third episode that this is not your normal average everyday high school. They like weirdos. They like outcasts. So I was actually about to bring that up. Cause that was another thing that I didn't like. I thought this show would have been so much more powerful if it would have been more about the fact that we all have to deal with these things at times. I which is kind of what the episodes do anyway. I think they don't really own the that's a bunch of weirdos. They just want to explain why there's a random girl with armor. And I think or... they want to, like, just to give the, the explanation to how fucking weird the anime world they're existing in, it felt, it felt, I, it worked for me personally of just like, there's a guy, damn fucking Naruto knockoff character sitting behind Tadano who, like, will ninja throw a goddamn compass at him if he talks to uh, Komi in the first episode. Like, there's a character walking around wearing, ha like, a gym outfit and then 
the legs of an armor and one arm is armored, but otherwise they're just in their school gym outfit. I don't fucking know why. I love it. The running girl that fucking does the like, you're whatever degrees just needs to fucking run a Pokemon gym and get over it. Right? Like, like they just keep throwing out random like the constant competition girl actually was probably my favorite. The, the pink haired one. That's, yeah. yeah, she's I, fun. I love That's, that. That was probably the best running gag for me this entire like, thing. Just like the side gags. Of oh, like, I lost again. Oh, lost again. <laughs> lost again. I beat her. Oh, wait. I beat her at being at seated height and weight. God damn it. I guess seated height is a thing. Yes. I don't know. I didn't. Every part of their sports day, I was like, other than like, the relay race was like, this is a terrible sports. Like, I feel like oh, it's somewhat in. It's like a the Japanese version of like the uh, the presidential, presidential fitness pres- test. Fitness test of like literally a thing implemented by the government to be like, we got to make sure you guys can go to fucking war. <laughs> you need to be able to fight and kill people for our oil or whatever fucking yeah foreign interest maybe at the time, and it's just persisted. No, but I that was one of the characters I wanted to bring up, the the constant competition one. Also, um, I want to know more about the character that's introduced later who is helping um, after Tadano becomes vice, uh, the the class president. Onohime. Onohime. The just, like, really nice, helpful one that's worried he's being bullied. And it definitely feels like she's, like, at by the end of that episode, it feels like she was trying to, like, become friends with him because she was curious like interested mm-hmm. and had a crush on him and then she's like oh wait no Comey's interested I'm out and I was like damn did you just Onohime and the really slow girl that makes my wife crack up every time she's on the screen I become literally connected at the hip and I mean it becomes a running gag that if Onohime lets go of that girl she just disappears so they just like every time like... you see them in the future they're holding hands I love it and it's it becomes much more, this is what I was saying of like less problematic queer characters. They're never like officially defined as dating, but there's another character that comes in because there's a fucking over a hundred characters across the course of this manga. You know, I got to make a hundred friends. Um, was just like obsessed with Yuri girl love. who was like, those two are my favorites ever. And they're a couple, like, mm-hmm. and I just really love those two together. I do too. Uh, we do, we es- do get more of their backstory, I believe, in the second season. I especially love them more having just heard you talk about them, of like realizing that like she needs her and she needs her, <laughs> like she just needs to help and she needs to be helped. <laughs> I love it. I think part of what makes this work for me, and this is just on my own like selfish personal level. I grew up reading a shit ton of, like, Love Hina. I don't know if either of you know what... I know of Love Hina. Uh, I'm familiar with it. I haven't actually It was an early 2000s harem manga that doesn't have remotely the same concept, but did have, like, random, normal, like, kind of pathetic guy who's actually a good dude, even though I've been rereading it as an adult, and um, no, he is not. Uh, never mind. (laughs) I'm still enjoying it, but I have to really be like, this was written 23 years ago. Uh, with like an eccentric cast of female characters. And like, I get a little bit of that in this, like some of the stuff I like, but it's not nearly as fucking problematic as Love Hina was in retrospect. Because I actually like the harem genre. 
because things I enjoy. A bevy of female characters. Uh, a bit of cheesecake here and there. I mean, I'm reading fucking Danger Girl. I draw pinups for fun. You should check out Air Gears. I'll have to remember that. Uh, Rollerblading I... action RPG harem anime. Into it. Uh, less kind of has harem aspects. Now, this one doesn't do cheesecake too much. Like, there's, you know, there's like, oh, this character's so beautiful, but it's not like, oh, their clothes exploded for hilarious <laughs> reasons. I don't know. I just, like, it works for me. Again, the, the soundtrack is fucking great, although I they ride, as I said already, they ride that da-da-da-da mm-hmm. really the hard. Opening, opening theme is really good. That opening theme also is, I feel like making fun of other slice of life anime openings with the like, this is openly just almost nothing to do with, you know, she's dropping out of the sky. And in that first episode, and I know I heard you guys critiquing part of it when I was going to the bathroom in between our bits, uh, but like the bit where they're just writing on the um, chalkboard and like, communicating through there and befriending each other through there, I think it's just absolutely gorgeously shot. Like, oh. the whole thing is just beautiful and beautiful pacing. Absolutely incredible use of 3D animation. That whole, like, the, the scenes that they're in are all 3D, um, like, spaces. And they're doing, I mm-hmm. think, probably 2D renderings of the characters on top of it. Um, it's super gorgeous. It looks really good. I do want to know, I want to... F- find out if I can find a dub that actually translates all of the written te- text, because that's my number one complaint. I oh, can lend was... you the manga, because they do in the manga. Sweet. Oh, that was horrendous. There's so many, like, little bits that just, that like, so well, I don't know what your joke just was. I must, I can context clues figure out what you're trying to get to, but I don't actually... It had been it. the thing I was most curious about going into this, having read the manga, where they, like, translate everything she writes, because... It is such a written-based series. And I personally do not mind the amount that the, like... There's just, even beyond what she writes, there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of writing. in general. But, like, you know, she'll hold up something and just the narrator will, like, translate it. Honestly, it doesn't bother me, though I understand that that might not be the case. But they don't do it all the time, even still. There's certain bits that are just, like... There's a bit about how... uh, Wow, I forgot their name already. Ojimi... Najumi. Najumi. Um, uh, Najumi's, like, wearing a sandwich board um, and, like, basically trying to do... It's during the school festival. And I think they say at one point that it says repent, but you're right. That joke does definitely um, get lost in... I think, like, it's a bit about how they're trying to, like, do another Kobe, uh, Comey snowball effect, and I think it's supposed to imply that the sandwich board says, come see Comey, basically, along the lines, but you don't know that if unless you read Japanese. But this is an issue with Netflix and their localization and translations. They, they're they very bad at it. They don't give a fuck about doing any, like, written translation stuff. Which is wild with the amount of anime that they put out. It's wild. And also, they really just, like, third-party license mm-hmm. it out, from my understanding. They'll just do it as cheaply as possible. That's fair. And subsequently, written gags, stuff that you'll see, isn't actually translated because it's not verbal dialogue. And that's... Given how much of, like... The jokes are kind of in the background of this rather than pushed to the forefront. I wonder how much I missed in just like signage and shit. Mm, that's fair. This is a thing that I'm actually legitimately going to track, try and track down if I can find another 
This is a thing that anytime I watch a foreign anything or read, you know, a comic not from America or watch something, you know, I always have the like, how much of this am I not getting? I've oh. thought of it with every single anime mm-hmm. we've watched. Just like, what are what are the gags? What are the the hidden references? I mean, even with you were talking about Blue Beetle, I knew enough to understand that the they were making a reference to that parody superhero thing. But like, I only know that because I'm me, and I dive way too deep into you know weird Wikipedia corners about superhero stuff. Like, otherwise, I would have. No fucking clue what that joke was. Uh, the it was kind of funny. the The day the movie dropped, I was browsing around on on some message boards and was checking out just to see what the uh, uh, what the Latina uh, fucking response was mm-hmm. to the movie dropping. And it's been pretty mixed because there's still a lot of people that uh, Jaime hasn't been around long enough, so he's still sort of seen as pandering. I realize he's been around for 10 years and I'm on that side. Like he's been around long enough, bro. Just like accept him. And, but like, there's still a lot of people that are like, they just took a fucking a legacy character and made him Brown. Give us our own character. That's a real argument to be had. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard really good arguments on both sides. Uh, my, it's come up with miles as well. I don't like, mind because he's different enough from the other blue beetles that I don't care. <laughs> he's so wildly different from Ted cord. Like, um, but, I like both ends do both. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's really kind of the right Take some fucking right. white characters, make them brown, because they shouldn't be brown. They should be brown. Just make them brown. And then give us some new ones. Uh, but one guy was like, call me when they uh, make the El Chapulín Colorado movie. And the response was like, just go watch the fucking movie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, El Chapulín. I also felt that when I, they did the bit with the uh, the country uh, country girl from the sticks who just like starts talking in a southern right, accent. Right, we're back in coming. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> but like... That sent me down a rabbit hole. It's like, okay, so is there like that no- much of a notable dialogue difference for like people in Japan? Like, if you live in the sticks, that like it does it sound like to a native Japanese speaking person that like, oh, that person has a southern draw. Well, we talked about it with uh, Food Wars as well because, um, oh yeah, Megami, Megami mm-hmm. gets a little southern and with and like all of her. Sense. Friends and family, I have like that. That that they are southern accent. There is definitely, obviously, some kind of accent that goes on in more rural. I mean, that happens fucking here, in Montana, and we're nothing but rural. But uh, I do think it's funny that uh, dubbing only can go to straight to just like southern. The southern is most southern can be. I was born in the sticks, so I'm from the south. That fancy girl with her stand bakes and her Saba way. I hated that. I hated that. Oh, dude, I really did enjoy that one. That one was a good little one. What's really funny is like by that, if you went by that same dubbing convention of just going from sounding from the sticks equals the south, then that's how you would dub Arnold Schwarzenegger. Apparently, he sounds like a total farm boy in German. Also, that's how you would dub us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Hasta la vista, baby. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so I'm curious, Tyler. It's not a tumor. Oh, <laughs> Is there any moments that, like, kind of stuck out to you, good or bad, that, like, strong? Because I don't want to just, like, 
lay it oh. on you because you had critiques of this, but in some ways that's almost more interesting to talk about than just me being like, it makes me feel happy. <sighs> I get what you mean, though. It is. It does. It's... I don't know how to describe it other than, like, it feels like an easy listening TV show of, like, it's just charming. It's It it's, just brings my blood pressure down. It's comfortable. It's, like, I know how to, I could, I could transverse, uh, I could get through high school again. I think I have my social skills down enough that I could, uh, if I got put back into high school, this would be fine for me. This does not stress me out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it did at one point, and now that I know it. But, but yeah, but uh, I enjoy it. As much as we're a podcast about liking things, liking things does not mean not critiquing things. Yeah, you can also liked. enjoy things and be critical of them. Like, I mean, I things I really enjoyed, like the the initial conversation with the blackboard's a beautiful sequence. Mm-hmm. Not not just because of the animation standpoint, like that's just like a genuinely like human, heartfelt, touching connection moment. They did it extremely well. Um, I just. I miss there being any sort of stakes. They don't seem to lean into any one aspect of it enough for me. Even like I would have liked why it. It makes me think of the fucking Great British Bake Off. Okay, that's it also just kind of just kinda... like a. Tr- I, have you watched a lot of Slice of Life out of curiosity? No, it just felt bland. That's kind of the thing is that it's kind of they're they're not really stakes in the same regards as like other animes as far as I like can. But there weren't even watching. like life stakes. Like, everything turned out good for them, even if they didn't do anything. That was my problem. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, but also at the same time, like, in the grand scheme of things, with your high school experience, did things really go really fucking terribly all the time? I know a couple people who listened to the show that the answer was kind of yes. Yeah. I mean, I was also homeless during high school at several points in my life, so, like, yeah. But... But I understand the point, because I was fucking lucky as hell, but... It just, I don't... Like, I wanted it to do something more. Like, it was, yeah, it's neat that, like, some of the characters are just fucking weird in the back, but then they don't lean into that. And so then it also takes away from the fact that it's not just about normal people, so it's almost kind of like, look at all these non-neurotypicals over there, let's observe them in their fucking zoo and laugh at the way that they have to observe, they have to make their connections. I kind of wish it was just about a person having problems in high school and giving them actual problems, even if it's only for an episode, and then you can resolve it the next one. I do see your argument. I do agree with your argument that, like, I think I think it probably would have been stronger if the rest of the school was just, like, normal high schoolers. Or if you showed it better across a spectrum. Like, Comey has extreme social anxiety, but show how everyone has to deal with that a little bit to some extent. And then the way that they help her deal with it, they can also learn from, and they can all grow as people, but nobody's really growing except for her, which the show already gives her. I argue Todd no grows a lot, even over the course of this season. I think, yeah, I think he already started off being the best at trying to actually connect with people. He just gets a chance to actually connect with more people. He's good at connecting with Comey. Which no one else can do, so he kind of made a breakthrough already. From yeah, the but get-go. like I mean, he's not very good at communicating with. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm, Plus, <laughs> he's the one that already has other friends to introduce her to to actually get this rolling. Like he might not be the best at it, but he's normal, and that's. See, for me, and I'm trying to look at this just from these twelve episodes we watched because, as I said, I fucking binged. <laughs> 
I like, had to stop myself from binging, in all honesty. I wanted to go well, for it. I mean, I, I'm talking about the manga. I binged 20 volumes of the shit. manga in the space of a couple of weeks. So for me, a lot of the stuff that I'm like, but that comes, but no, that might not come up until like season three or four. But me, it happened in really quick succession. So it's not that I'm saying that you're wrong. Just you're not. It, it's just the way that I ingested it hit made it hit differently because almost a, a significant number of the background characters get much more time as the series goes on because like Agari gets quite a bit of time this season. She doesn't get nearly as much time going forward as you get farther in even Najimi, who's, you know, the third main character in this gets significantly less time in my opinion to the series detriment, but still, as it goes on and as she's growing and making more friends. And for me, a large part of this show is we put Comey and Tadano are kind of on the, the two ends of the spectrum. Comey is regarded as this absolute perfect person. And as she's meeting more people, she's becoming more humanized and being brought down to earth. While Tadano is, he ranges between so normal people forget about him it's played a little heavier in the manga, but the bit where they're doing like all of the reviews, like check your height, check your seating height or whatever. He is so average that, I mean, he's literally the national standard for every single thing that happens, but people fucking hate him at the beginning of this series. Other than Najimi who likes everyone and Komi who he befriends in the first episode setting off the plot. But as Komi is being brought down to more human Tadano even though he's the most average guy in the world is being brought into a level of more extraordinary than he's being given credit for. And I guess I was reading it as like watching him grow and expand more while you're taking it as more like he's already there. I think he's already there and it's more that other people are noticing it. I don't think he's changing at all. That's fair. It does also, I would, I'd lean with, Tyler on that front only from the standpoint of like most of the time that you see people just like blatantly hating I don't know it's because he's interacting with Comey and she's like how fucking dare you talk to Comey you don't deserve to even be in her presence you piece of shit you're not wrong and also I don't want to sound like I'm coming across as like well I'm the Comey expert (laughs) because I've read so much of this I just you know it's the stuff we talked about on before how you ingest media sometimes affects how but like, the media affects you. I would also say that he does have... I feel like he has growth, but it... His growth is a lot more subtle. It's a lot more subtle because he already is at a place where he can communicate. He mm-hmm. he actually could talk to people. He can answer questions in class. He could go and order a sandwich at a restaurant. So his amount of growth is going to be much smaller than Comey's because... He already has, like, a base level higher. I guess it's less that it's his growth, but it's more kind of his understandings in the way that he is special and other people getting to understand the ways that he's special. Because the only person who saw it at all before Komi is Najimi, who loves everyone. So it's kind of its own, like... As much as I find Najimi exhausting, I kind of love their friendship. Yes. Them and Tadano. I do yeah. not disagree with you at all that Najimi is exhausting because Najimi... Najimi reminds me of someone I knew who we would often describe as uh, great for three days, good at a week, 
terrible at two weeks. <laughs> it reminds me of my college roommate so that made me fail. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, that made my college roommate that I absolutely loved, that I absolutely failed all of college, not a small amount because of their influence. Because <laughs> they're very good at convincing me to do stupid things instead of going to class. Like, that was very Najimi. I think the strongest, because they will bring in a third character... We're not doing the second season as a show episode, so I guess I can spoil a little more than I would have oh, tried to. I'm not going to go too hard. They will bring in a third character, probably in what will be season three, and they do bring in my least favorite trope, which is the love triangle. And they don't play it too hard, and they play it in a way that, like, everyone still has legitimate affection and respect and friendship with each other, which what I hate most about the love triangle is watching people stop liking each other because mostly holding the stupid ball. But like, I think the, and I'm not going to get into it because I think that character works really well, but I think Najimi has the balance a little bit too of as those two obviously have like romantic tension forming. Najimi has the like ultimate platonic affection for kind of everyone, which helps balance out that like, it keeps the 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 romantic tension from overwhelming anything that's going on. Because there's definitely romantic comedies or slice of life dramas or whatever where I'm like, for the love of God, we have to talk about something else sometimes. I towards the end of the season, as they started playing more into the romantic comedy side, I did enjoy that more than just the straight up stri- slice of life than we got at the beginning. I am really curious, and I'm not trying to argue like, oh, no, we should do the next season next, because you already said no, and I was openly not putting a vote in on that one. Um, I would be curious to know if you, like, your thoughts on the second season, that's what regardless I was say, of like, whether or not we, like... If you're enjoying the second season more, I, or not the second, if you're enjoying the second half more, I'm wondering if you would like it more as they have more time to kind of delve into what stuff is going on, as opposed to... It took them a couple episodes to kind of find their footing because they had to really set up the, like, concept of this show. Which is an interesting thing that I, I want to, I keep, I kept meaning to look this up and I still have not. Uh, but, like, the first episode is basically, like, one chunk. It is basically their first day, Tadano meeting Komi. The rest of the episodes are all very vignette. Two or three little chapters um, per. And I'm curious to know because this is a thing with, Japanese um, uh, broadcasting where they'll basically sometimes with animes do smaller episodes throughout the whole week. And then basically on the fifth day, they'll air it as like a full half hour block. Oh, I don't know. So I'm curious to know if they did that with this because it did have a pacing to it that felt. The pacing was weird. I kept like pausing it at what I thought was like the beginning or ends of episodes so that I could like either like I was done for the day or like I'm going to go like run to the store real quick and grab something to drink. Well, and, and I'd some, be like, Oh, I'm eight minutes in. And sometimes the they'll fuck? do that, like end credits and then have a whole like three ass extra scenes after the credits. And other times the credits just roll and then it's done. done. Uh, yeah. That was, I was Yeah. But I, I did that a number of times where I was just like, Oh, I'm going to pause it at the end of this episode. So that it doesn't autoplay into the next one. I'm eight minutes into the episode. When did that happen? Oh, okay, I'm still pausing it here. There's a whole sub subsection of anime that's just like seven minute long episodes, and it's 
Some, I mean, that's basically Steven Universe and Adventure Time. Like, we just started tapping into that. Um, and then they'll, I, on re-release or, f- like, when it gets translated, it usually gets blocked out into half-hour blocks, mostly because that's what American Broadcasting sell it as. I'm trying to think if there are any characters. I mean, we this has been such a scattershot approach to this. Like, if you've never watched Comey, this episode has to be fucking nonsense to you but i did i did really i thought it was extremely clever how they ended the season with comb what comey was doing working both textually and metatextually with the thank you and like thank yeah. you for your support mm-hmm. yeah that was just clever writing that that made me light up i was like this i like this is awesome they're playing at a couple different things in a, in a way that I enjoy. As well as the karaoke scene before that, I liked, like, as a kind of contextual, like, s- closing for the whole series, well, the whole season, um, leaving, if, leaving your characters all with, like, a certain state that they're in, and then jumping into the, like, in media res, going from that scene of singing karaoke to the title sequence that, the, that they're singing. I don't know, I liked it. it was yeah, Comey was supposed to be singing the... The intro song, I think it was. Yeah, and I'm sure it's the intro song. Yeah. The Japanese karaoke booth things always... I Like, I know that that's just how they do it, but, like, for me, part of the fun of karaoke is inflicting that upon strangers. <laughs> As someone who has done a shit ton of karaoke, that's part of my fun. Oh, uh, no, you do it on your friends. You inflict it on your friends. I don't know, it, it's... Their karaoke appeals to me more, but I also don't do karaoke so i might be a little more willing if it's just nope that's a lie because I've done karaoke at a bellagarth event where i'm good friends with literally every person there and they're like it's your turn to sing and i'm like fuck it isn't i i gotta I get the, i voice. gotta get like, the two drinks in me first but then i'm good to go <laughs> what's your karaoke song um so my my two go-to's three go-to uh, clint eastwood um, handlebars by Flowbots and pretty much any Stone Temple Pilots. Fair enough. But I, like Handlebars is the favorite that of the DJ that I go to the karaoke at. That's his favorite that I do. So ah okay. I'm trying to think if there's any character that's come up that we didn't really talk about. I mean, we didn't talk about the the one that I loosely talked about that I really did actually love was the. Uh, the one with the second year junior, uh, second year junior high syndrome or whatever. The, the, oh my god! The fucking, um, I can't uh, think of her name, but she's the the Dragon Force girl. Yes. Yeah, I genuinely enjoyed that. I would bit. have been so in love with her when I was in middle school, high school. Like that. Now she annoys me, but like as a kid, she would have been fucking catnip for me when I was that age. <laughs> like, um, no, I I loved that that. That whole bit, I was like, oh no, this actually, this is getting the awkwardness right right where it should be for these kids. I'm happy about this. And they're, they're commenting on the fact that this is weird instead of just letting it go. And it's kind of played up. I like this. All right. In the manga, they kind of start to have her and Yamai have a friendship, which I always thought was like weird. It's kind of a love-hate friendship between them of them being shitty to each other, but they're always hanging out, which is a very high school thing that I remember. 
I never hung out like with one of my personal enemies, but I knew plenty of people that it was like, just admit your best fucking friends. Like <laughs> weird to have enemies as a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, you're like sworn opponent, but they're also like that motherfucker stole my Pokemon card. He's dead to me. That kid had the ball and wouldn't throw it to me. Uh, uh me having a hot mom. I laughed at um, forever 17 or whatever. I don't know if they're going to do it in the anime, but I desperately need them to. They do flashbacks in the manga in a couple of scenes that shows how her and Comey's dad got together. Because Comey's dad is super awkward as well. Comey's dad is low-key one of my favorite characters as we meet more about them because he's. we have a scene where he like basically kidnaps Tadano and takes him to the aquarium and just starts like... He's basically testing Tadano to be like, are you worthy of being like in my daughter's life? And Tadano's just like, yeah, da, 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 okay. Like, <laughs> this is fucking weird. I got kidnapped by Comey's dad, but whatever. Cool. And it turns out the only place he can talk is when he's talking about sea life. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, I really like his little sister. I'm looking forward to more scenes with the little sister because that will come up. Because she thinks she has Tadano's ability to, like, understand people and read the room, and she does not. <laughs> uh, Which, yeah, Tadano, I fucking, we, we really glossed over that Tadano's in a made outfit for, like, the last two episodes. Yeah. That was pretty that was, great. That was great. It comes up again, I think. Uh, later on, uh, another male character will be brought in, and he's just, like, obsessed with Tadano, but not in, like, a bad way. He just actually thinks he's like one of the first people to realize like oh, Todd knows the shit. Todd knows actually a pretty cool guy. <laughs> like hey, y'all know, know Todd. No, he's a cool guy. But both Todd knows mom and his sister think that those two are going out. Todd know and this other guy Katai. And I do like that. Like while that is played up for laughs, it's never played up for laughs at the expense of like the idea of same sex relationships. And like in all cases, it's always them like going up to him being like, I accept you for this. And Tadano's like, I don't accept me for what? Like what's <laughs> happening right now? <laughs> like, um, thanks. But why? And they're like very desperate to be like, he's a good boy and we support him. And he's like, okay. Still don't understand what's happening. I just want dinner. <laughs> like, <laughs> Glad you're so accepting though. Cool. But, but for real, what's happening with dinner? <laughs> like, yeah, I think we covered all the main characters that I, can think of everyone else is very side character like background character feels like we didn't talk about agari much i don't they don't really touch on agari enough in the first season i feel like they couldn't decide what she was because at first it's the she's the super awkward like the other super awkward girl comey can make a friend with her because they're both insanely socially awkward which actively untrue in my mem remembrances of two people with extreme social anxiety in high school Oh yeah, it's um, yeah. Sometimes then they it's just, like magnets. They yeah. they they connect real well, but sometimes it's like magnets and they repel real well. But they start with that, and then they like immediately because from that final moment, it becomes like she's a closet freak, and once you get to know her at all, she doesn't hide it very well, which is fine. <laughs> I also like remember that kid as well. I don't remember that kid because I was that kid. I was about to say it might have been me. I don't think I was that kid, but like there was plenty of people who were like, 
yeah, I'm not going to talk about the way that I'm a freak until you uh, until you minorly accept me for it, and now you understand it's my oh. entire personality. Oh, we talking freak stuff? Let me let me tell you about my freak stuff. It's I think it's the way that she's like you can treat me like a dog. That I'm like, oh my god, like oh, you're gonna take doggy for a walk? It's like no, have some self respect. <laughs> You're right. I do uh, just to dive back though. I do love the the mom, although the, I'm eternally seventeen. Like, you shouldn't be, but that's a. I recognize that that is probably a cultural thing more than anything else. Uh, also, for some reason, I just found it funny that Comey has a hot mom, Comey. and I remember like people with hot moms in high school had it even rougher. And I'm like, finally, she gets brought down to earth a little. And bit. that person is popular if they have a hot mom. Also. He didn't get enough of her brother. He will come up more. I feel like they were setting him up, and then we was like, I want to... I, again, like it's interesting. I kind of think this should have been like twenty four episode seasons, but I'm increasingly. <laughs> when we first started talking in general nerdery a few years ago, and they were moving away from twenty four episode seasons to like twelve being the standard, we were like, yeah, twenty four is too many episodes, but now twelve is the normal, and I'm like. I think it depends on the kind of story that you're telling, because I could see... I was going to say 16 to 20, so 18 is, yeah. Well, like, I... It, you're right. I it, just... The number of shows that I'm like, this needed three more episodes this season to really, like, have the time mm -hmm. to do what it wanted to do. Whereas, like, this, I could see, like, you giving this show a 24-episode season. I could see this show having a fucking 50-episode season for whatever reason anybody would want to. I mean, that... I just wanted, like, because yeah, I'm trying. I agree. I'm trying not to do the, like, well, this is going to happen. This is going to, but, like, I keep, you know, want to see more of the brother. We do see more of the brother. He's not a major character, but he does appear repeatedly. And I do love him. And spoiler, but whatever. Uh, he doesn't have social anxiety. He just doesn't like to talk. And then you have, so, like, he's basically what everyone thinks Comey is. <laughs> and then you have uh, Tadano's sister, who thinks she's what Tadano is, and thinks that he's what Comey actually is. So she thinks that he has social anxiety. So she's made it her mission to, like, bring him out of his shell and help him overcome his social anxiety. And he's just like, no, please, I just want to not... Not anything, not talk, not go the fuck away. And honestly, I would watch a show just of those two, but it would be a much more awkward show. So it actually might be more your speed for what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I will say if this would have been a 24 episode season, I might have freaked out a little bit earlier this weekend because I almost freaked out as it was. It was kind of funny, uh, like an episode and a half in when I realized like this is fine, but it's not my cup of tea. What did I sign up for? And I backed out. Netflix has it listed as one twenty-four episode season. And I was like, what? I and also, then I looked it up on Wikipedia and I was like, 12 episodes I can do. <laughs> I also I did this, tell like, you not to binge it. I know that life got in the way, but Netflix fucked me up too. It's like, oh God, Zach lied to me. I have to do 24 <laughs> episodes. I don't have enough time. Oh no, but uh So I I did end up watching this through about one and three quarters times through the entire season, um, not the full two times, but I did get most of the way through it and then had to back back up to about episode two or three and then re-go from that point 
forward because I missed a ton because I was tuning out. Well, and, and I also so many little stories at once. Like, um, and I this is I had to throw on the dub because otherwise I, what you were doing because I, otherwise doing. I wasn't able to follow it because I just stopped paying attention. Huh. Although I, I love the soundtrack, I I loved so that cool. going in the background for everything I was doing. <laughs> just like. Best Doing part dishes, of this for me, pause soundtrack. Like, Look up. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I started like, watched like two episodes like two weeks ago, then got back into it and then ended up binging 10 episodes all in one sitting. Um, and then rewatched it again over the weekend in one sitting. You said you were going to show it to your, uh, to, to Kat. Are you, have you uh, done Oh that yeah, yet, I did. Okay. Yeah, she watched that second. What'd she think of it? I don't know if it's necessarily her cup of tea, but also she seemed to enjoy it. So, I'm just, I am so curious on this one because partly because it's so different than like anything else. I mean, look at the shows that I'm watching right now, like Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Ahsoka, Chuck. Man, I got to lend you Yuri on Ice. We're going to get to Good Omens season two soon. Which, by the way, I want to do an episode and get my, I, I could get CC back on the show again if we do Good Omens again. <laughs> it's probably yeah, well, the only way we have to do it at some point just because it'll make me watch it because I also have not watched it yet uh, although that's also partially just because mine and Margaret's schedule hasn't been lining up too well the past I couple don't have Amazon Prime and that's why but this is so different than anything else that I watched that like been like I really like this people should watch it but it's hard for me to sell it because it's you know high school teen so- comedy romance Anime, like, it's, yeah, it's a hard sell unless, like, My first word is soothing, I think, is why I have trouble selling. And it's why you found it boring. <laughs> like, but, I, but I find Ted Lasso soothing. That's fair. I don't know. I also it, it find just, Ted Lasso soothing. Uh, this was... I wish it would have leaned harder into any of the one things it was doing. That's fair. It was just too, too reserved on all of it for me. I see your... I see that this is a valid, valid, valid argument, in my opinion. Yeah, that's none the, of I, it was I, bad. I keep wanting to argue you, but you keep being right, which is making me almost mad. <laughs> um, it's not. It's I not, also like, I think because of the how nonchalant isn't the right word, but like it doesn't. It's not trying to be necessarily a comedy the whole time. It's not trying to be a romance the whole time. It's it is just kind of soothing and slice of life. Yeah. Uh, which I think is accurate, because, you know, Slice of Life, like, as much as I fucking love a, like, situational comedy that really dives into aspects of the world. Slice of Life that has, like, weird fucking sci-fi or fantasy stuff in it. Like, The Devil is a Part-Timer is definitely Slice of Life. Could not get into that one. Um, But I don't like anything that involves fast food, like, as a show, because I just feel greasy, because I remember fast food. Yeah. But, like, he's, he's the literal fucking devil, and he has to fight demons and angels and shit so like you can get weird in unsliced life but like it's, as a genre itself it's usually pretty soothing and kind of mm-hmm. teetering on the edge of boring if you're not looking for that concept i mean it's the same reason i like kuba won't let me be invisible and actively don't want to show that to tyler if he found this one kind of <laughs> slow God, I hate uh, modern anime naming conventions, to be honest with you. And I wonder how much of that is translation. 
Like, I think Comey can't communicate his solid name, but Cuba won't let me be invisible. The devil is a part-timer. If your name takes more than, like, like three words... It reminds me so much of, um, uh, like, 70s spaghetti western namings. When it's like... uh, God... Oh, fuck, what was the one? There's a there's a couple, like, if you see Django, shoot first or else you're dead. Yeah, that just tells me that English is not your primary. Not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, just, like, you just gave me the opening line to your movie. That's not a... The... It, it's like, okay, uh, I think you can do more than, like, three words if you have the, like, uh, colon. So, like, Food Wars, colon, Shokugeki no Sama. Star Trek, colon, Strange New Worlds. But, like, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Or, like... I'll tell you this much. I fucking remember the name of that. (laughs) Also, I really love that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I'm not saying the shows are bad. I'm saying I don't like the name, like, the title convention. I'll tell you this much. I can't ever remember the starting of the, uh, the name, but I remember the second half of... I don't want to get hurt, so I put all my stats in defense. But yeah, there's the first half is like for sure. Blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty but, sure it's like, boo- oh, it's Bufori. Bufori. Uh, Bufori. I don't want to get hurt, so I put all my stats in defense. Is that a real word? Was I accidentally just super racist there? Or I don't fucking I don't know. know, but I do know that Bufori is a thing. Is the name of the show? You look like. Are you looking up Giallo was, names? No, like, Giallo names I can pull off the top of my head. Giallos have really fun names that I think uh, are a step above the fucking Western names of okay. that. Because you have like, uh, your vice is a locked door and only I have the key. That sounds like a porn. Five dolls for an August moon. That also sounds like a porn. What's the one with the crystal plumage? Uh, the bird with the crystal plumage. That sounds like a David Attenborough documentary. <laughs> it's actually a really good porn. <laughs> <laughs> Don't torture a duckling. That just seems like sound advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's torturing ducklings? I don't know. I haven't watched that one yet. The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. That one sounds like a porno. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the devil and Mrs. Jones. Anyway. On that, really, okay, do we have a moment that we can end at that's not, this sounds like a porn for this slice of life teen? No? Look, mommy, a stalker. (laughs) That is a stalker. I'm just going to go back to my favorite line for the whole show. It's, it is the lines like that, though, that are thrown in just really quick and gone, which makes me wonder what I missed in, like, signage and stuff in the backgrounds. That's the exact sort of thing where I'm like, what did I... What did they not translate for him? This, this you motherfuckers. Yeah. You know what might be part of what builds the affection for this show so much for me? Comey makes me think of my wife. Cece gets real quiet and uncomfortable around people that she doesn't know. The, uh, she straight up said the most uh, relatable moment on TV she's ever seen is the bit where they're playing. It's not Smash Bros, but it is Smash Bros. I and, loved that bit because it was one of the were, times they were actually leaning into like people were explaining how to play Smash Bros to her and she didn't understand what was happening and I've done that to CC like four times. Uh that like quiet and really adorable excitement when she gets that like you know uh 
the the cat ears popping up to represent like really intent on that moment or when Tadano goes congratulations you've made your first friend and then there's or you've made another friend about Najimi and there's just a pause and then just a quick like jump up in the air I don't know it, it makes me think of CC and then to make it even more there's a like two chapter arc that's literally just them playing Among Us later on and her being like super intense about Among Us and I was like oh my god this is CC like that was the moment where I went I've been reading about my wife this entire time. <laughs> That's fucking great. I love that so much. <laughs> That's a great way to end this episode. Okay. Next time, we're not actually sure what we're doing next time yet, because we weren't sure what we were. We know the I genre. Know. Well, I was going to say, the other thing that might have got me more interested in Comey Can't Communicate. Goats. Well, <laughs> now that you said it, life, but <laughs> now that you said it, but I was going to say giant fucking robots. That's what we're doing next time because we are wrapping up our season of anime and we've done Shonen anime and slice of life and whatever the fuck Vampire Hunter D is and a classic with Castle Cagliostro. Neo-Gothic. I was about to say an amazing Gothic romance. It's a sign in kind of more like it's not a Shonen though. It's not like a teen boy. Uh, we're going to dive into the mecha genre. What first got me into anime back in the day. It'll probably be Gundam, but I can't say for sure. Um, Eureka seven's better though. Die in a fire. Uh, I mean, giant mechas were probably my first anime too. Well, Pokemon was my first, but like, that was really where I was like, I like anime now. Gundam wing. I mean, Oh wait, the MS team is better, but Gundam mm -hmm. wing is where I started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explore my memory for next time when we talk about it more. My Neighbor Totoro was the first one I ever watched, but that's its own thing. Anyways, that's for next time. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.